Welcome to the Classroom Commute Podcast, a podcast for elementary teachers who want to feel inspired each week on your ride into school. I'm your host, Rachel, and my goal is to give you simple and actionable 21st century teaching strategies that you can take into your classroom to spark the love of learning in your students. You are already amazing, and together we're going places. Thanks for taking me along for the ride. Hey, hey, welcome back to our fifth theme here on our summer road trip. We are moving right along. We've covered a lot of information so far and have revisited a lot of old podcast episodes from this past school year. So if you're just joining us, make sure you add in some of those episodes into your listening schedule this week. Lots of good stuff to take away from those episodes as well. Now, before we dive into today's theme, make sure that you are signed up over at classroomnook.com forward slash summer road trip for the giveaways and the freebies that I have been putting over there on the website. Lots of good stuff going on and I don't want you to miss it. So make sure you head over there and sign up. Remember, each theme comes with a giveaway and freebies. So if you haven't grabbed the freebies from the past few weeks, you can do that and you can also sign up for this week's giveaway. Today's part of our journey on our road trip is all about classroom community. I don't have to tell you that classroom community is so important to having a successful school year. We so often want to jump right into the teaching aspect and the curriculum and everything at the beginning of the school year. But if we miss classroom community opportunities and we don't try to cultivate a positive classroom community, we will be struggling all year. So in this episode, I have curated some clips from past episodes all about classroom community with some solid tips that you can take into your classroom right away. This first tip comes from way back in episode one of this podcast, the very first episode where I talked about how to develop a community of readers. And so it's taking that classroom community aspect and putting it into a specific content area. And so I think you'll find that there's some really great tips here. Have a listen. The first way that you can cultivate a community of readers is by having a recommended book bin in your classroom. So it's basically what exactly what it sounds like. You're going to have some sort of bin or basket in your classroom that's big enough to hold several books and you're going to label it recommended books or top reads or whatever it is that you and your students come up with. You're going to have that bin somewhere in your classroom library that's easily accessible. And when a student is done reading a book that they've read during independent reading time or even um, in your guided reading groups, they can recommend it to somebody else outside of their reading group. And they're basically just going to take that book and they're going to put it in the recommended book bin. Now they can put a Um, little sticky note on the outside that says recommended by or perhaps they have someone in mind that they want to recommend it to. They could put their name on that sticky note, however you want to organize it. But essentially, it's just a collection of books that have been pre-approved by their peers and a student who sees this pre-approved book is going to be more likely to want to pick it out, especially for those reluctant readers who spend their entire time during readers workshop just trying to pick a book. You can send them to the recommended book bin and say, hey, these books have already been read by your classmates. They love them. See if you can find one that you might like as well. So that's number one, a recommended book bin. We're talking five minutes prep and then let your students do the work. 
The second one that I have to share with you, the second tip, is called Critics Corner. Do you remember that TV show that was on, I think in the mid-90s, maybe even early 2000s, um, the movie Critics Show by Siskel and Ebert, and they would give their two thumbs up or two thumbs down for the movies that were being newly released? Well, that's where I got this idea for my classroom, and I called it Critics Corner. And I'm sure you've seen a variety of um, ways that this has kind of played out in the classroom, but this is just my kind of take on it. So essentially, what's going to happen is students are going to read their own books, and then as they complete the book, they can sign up to appear on Critics Corner. And to be on the Critics Corner show, or however you want to call it, they complete this review, and I would provide a guided script for students who needed it, and some some didn't, but especially at the beginning when you're first starting this out in your classroom, you might want to provide some sort of guided script. And essentially, students just share their favorite things about the book, things that surprise them, and anything else that they might want to share about the characters or the events and then each critic I'm using quotes right now for critic each critic would give their final rating of the book two thumbs up two thumbs down however they want to kind of rate that book and you can do this on a monthly basis a weekly basis we would try to do ours on Friday afternoons um, as much as we could You might find that that's a little too often, um, but depending on the age of your students, but you find a schedule that works for you. And then when you're having your monthly or weekly or quarterly critics corner, you just invite a few students to review their books in front of the class. And then you can allow other students to respond and ask questions about the review. You can have a really fun chair that they sit in or wear a funky hat or glasses and um, share their review with the students. And it's such a great motivator for students because everybody wants to be on Critics Corner once you start it. You can also have a bulletin board in your classroom where you display the reviews that students are writing about their books and then other students can refer back to them and read that book that that student has recommended. All right, the third way that you can cultivate a classroom community of readers is to have a classroom book awards ceremony. I love this idea. It's kind of similar to the Critics Corner, but it focuses on the books that you guys have read together as a class. So your read-alouds, any anchor texts that you use, it has to be books that all students have read or listened to, maybe even in their listening center, because they all have to know what the book is about. And how it works is throughout the month, when you're reading several books, keep track of those books, maybe even create a a bin or basket where you create, where you keep the books that you've read together. And then you're going to think about categories that these books can fit into. So funniest books, um, books with the most interesting characters, books with the most surprising endings. You could even kind of tie it into the skills that you've been teaching. So for example, if you've been teaching um, how to write an interesting lead in the story, maybe you have a category for the book with the most interesting lead that you've used to model this skill. So you can tie it into your curriculum as much as you can. So once you come up with the categories, you're going to create a ballot form that students are going to cast their vote on. And they're going to, you're going to have all the categories listed and the students are going to pick one book from each category. Then you tally up all the votes and you have an award ceremony. And students love it. You can have envelopes for each category and you um, invite students to kind of present the award and reveal the winner to the class. You can even have a picture of the book cover in the envelope and then use those pictures to kind of create a display in your classroom. All right, this next clip comes from episode 14 where I talked all about kindness in the classroom. 
I'm super passionate about putting a lot of time and energy into teaching students to be kind. I do not think it is a skill that we are born with. I think it is something that has to be taught, especially in today's world and in today's climate. So in this episode, I've got some tips for how you can embed kindness instruction right into your daily classroom life. Here it is. Now, there were some perfectly lovely children in my class with supportive and wonderful parents but it was so hard to see them. I was so consumed by the lack of kindness that I saw in my classroom. So what's a teacher to do? You can't do math or literacy centers if you don't have children that can work nicely together in groups. You can't go on field trips if your students are constantly arguing on the bus on the way there. You can't have fun parties and events in your class if your students don't appreciate anything that you do. It is super hard. Here's the reality. It's hard to teach a room full of students anything until you teach them to be kind. If you spend your entire day playing referee, constantly putting out fires between your students, there's no time for teaching. As teachers, we need to make teaching kindness a priority. This is not a one and done lesson. You're not going to do this the first week of school and then bada bing, bada boom, you're good for the rest of the year. This is an everyday, all day kind of lesson. We have to incorporate kindness practices into absolutely everything that we do. We have to put kindness reminders everywhere and we have to reinforce it all of the time. I'll tell you what, it's not easy. It's super hard and takes a lot of work, but it should be as important to you as teaching, reading, writing, math, and everything else that is on those state tests. Kindness should also be a priority in your classroom. So here are a few tips to help teach your students to be kind. The first tip is probably the most important one. Kindness starts with you. Kindness is learned by example. You have to hold yourself accountable to the kindness standard. You never know when little eyes are watching you. If they hear you gossiping in the hallway to another teacher or rolling your eyes or whatever, that becomes their model of what kindness is or lack thereof. So you have to start with yourself and really reevaluate how you are promoting kindness through your words and actions. The second tip is to plaster kindness everywhere, all over your classroom. And I'm going to help you with this. I have some kindness posters that have some fun, inspirational phrases on them. Things like throw kindness around like confetti from the kid president or strong people don't put others down. They lift them up by Michael P. Watson. You can download these free posters over on the website at classroomnook.com forward slash podcast forward slash 14. And you can download these posters for free. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's in our members resource library. So tip number two, plaster kindness all over your classroom. Tip three is to have a kindness motto for your classroom. If you've ever watched The Ellen Show, you might notice that at the end of every show, she always says the same thing. She says, see you tomorrow. Be kind to one another. How great of an end of the day ritual would this be if you all said this together with your students and as a class? It might look a little something like this. Your students are lined up at the door at the end of the day and they're ready to head out to the bus stop and you say, see you tomorrow. And the kids follow with, be kind to one another. If you said that every single day, imagine how that's going to stick in their minds and stick in their brains as they leave your classroom and head out for home or wherever they go for the rest of the day. Those are the kinds of things that kids will remember 10, 15, 20 years from now 
as a model of what kindness looks like. So there you have it. I believe that kindness trumps all kindness before anything else. All right, in this next clip from episode 26, I've got some classroom community boosting activities that you can use in your classroom right away from the start of the school year and then all year through. They're really easy to implement and they will have humongous benefits in your classroom. Here they are. Another way to build positive classroom community is to encourage students to work together for a common goal. It could be something simple as working together to earn a pajama day or extra recess or something like that. But when students work together, they learn to encourage each other. They learn to understand that they have a part in their classroom and that it's their responsibility along with everybody else's to make sure that they are doing their part to be a positive member of their community. And you can use very simple things like a marble jar that students work together to fill up so that every time you see a positive behavior, you put marbles in the jar. Or another thing that I like to do is mystery puzzles. And you have a picture of something that represents their reward or their goal. For example, you might have a picture of a pizza slice if students are working towards earning a pizza party. And over top of the picture of the pizza slice, you put little post-it notes that cover the entire picture. And then every time you see positive behavior from a group of students or an individual student, you remove one of those post-it notes off of the mystery picture. And the picture of what they're gonna be earning is revealed the more that they show positive behavior. You can even put specific things on the post-it note that you want to see happen in order to have that post-it note removed. For example, on one post-it, you might write, gets a compliment while walking in the hallway. So when a teacher compliments your class for walking positively and quietly and nicely down the hallway, you remove that post-it note and students get to see just a portion of what they're working towards together to earn. It's just a fun way to get students working together towards a common goal. In addition to focusing on positive behavior and working together as a classroom, it's also important to celebrate student learning in order to build a positive classroom community. And this includes the little things that they do in their learning and the big things that they do. When a student finally has that aha moment or they go up a reading level that they've been working on or they've finished a writing piece that they've been working on for the past month, those are the things that you want to really celebrate with your students. And you want to celebrate them on an individual level as well as a whole class level, especially those students who struggle academically. The more you can celebrate their accomplishments, the more encouraged they're going to feel. And there are lots of ways that you can do this. Two of my favorites are one, to have a walk the red carpet event. And this can be done as often as you want and it doesn't have to take any preparation. When I say red carpet, you don't actually have to have a red carpet or you could get red butcher paper and lay that out. But essentially each week or each month, however often you're doing it, you choose several students that you want to kind of highlight as having a celebration win for that week or that month. And you have them quote unquote walk the red carpet. You can play some fun music like that song Celebrate. And you can have students walk across while you announce their accomplishment to the class. They can take a bow. And it's just really fun for students to be highlighted in that way and acknowledged in front of their classmates. You can also do something simple like have students wear accomplishment necklaces. I love doing this in my classroom because it's 
very simple to do and it's really impactful for the students. So for example, if you're working on having your students memorize their math facts for multiplication, and you do those timed quizzes, then perhaps if they pass one of their quizzes, they can wear an accomplishment necklace that says something like, I'm a math facts master. And these are necklaces that you can reuse over and over. So create a set of generic necklaces and laminate them so that students can wear them for the day and kind of feel extra special for that day. Other necklaces might include my writing rocks, or I went up a reading level, or I rocked the test, or even something simple like my teacher thinks I'm awesome. If you see a student that could just use a little boost, you could give them a necklace like that. Okay, I've taken this final clip from episode 60, which was an interview that I did with Victoria from The Mindful Apple. Victoria is a school social worker, and she agreed to come on the podcast and talk about ways that we can teach our students to develop strategies of calm. And I thought this was a great clip to include here on this episode, because when we have calm students, we can have a positive classroom environment which then in turn leads to a positive classroom community. So enjoy this interview with Victoria from The Mindful Apple. You know, you mentioned just a little bit some of the strategies that you worked with with Max, but how do you kind of start from the beginning when you want to explain calmness to students? Well, I recently fell in love with this strategy and analogy of planting seeds of calm, which you'll hear me reference a lot today. I love the idea of teaching kids that they can plant something and nurture something that can grow from within them. Yeah, I like that. You're going to start simple, give them concrete examples so that students can understand the basics and then go from there. And I love the plant analogy. That's something that, of course, all students can kind of grab onto. They understand the idea of planting. And I also like how with planting, just like, you know, putting something into the ground takes time and patience that growing our calm also is going to take time and patience. So that analogy is really easy for kids to understand. Exactly. And you're right. Just the representation of it is hopefully eliciting calm in itself. I know when I first started the Mindful Apple and I asked one of my colleagues to take a look at some of the stuff and she was like just looking at the images and said, even this makes me feel calm. And I was like, great, that's what I'm going for. Perfect. Okay, so break this down for us. How do you do two things? How do you one, help students to recognize when their bodies are not calm? And then how do you go from there to teach them those strategies so that they can actually master the calm? Sure. So students need to be able to recognize what calm feels like and then also recognize what it doesn't feel like and be able to discern between those differences in their bodies. Once they can, you know, recognize the differences, they can start to be able to learn the tools and strategies for calm. And how to introduce that is practice, exposure, practice right along with them. I start with a planting seeds of calm lesson that really breaks it down simple for students and teaches them deep breaths, mindful visualization, and positive affirmations. Okay, so do you mind if I actually put you on the spot here a little bit? Will sure. You, will you walk us through a mindful, a mini mindful visualization? <laughs> sure, I'd love to. I have a lot of practice of doing this. I just did this recently with my students. So here's an actual excerpt from the Planting Seeds of Calm lesson. When I start this with a student, I encourage them to find a comfortable spot, close their eyes, but you can't do that because you're driving. Um, but just kind of imagine what I'm reading now and imagine a learner hearing this for the first time. Picture you are sitting by a sunny lake. The weather is warm. You can feel the sunshine smiling down from the sky above. Your skin feels warm in the sun's glow. You hear birds chirping in the distance. A gentle breeze stirs through the air and calms your mind. 
The water of the lake is gentle, rolling over the rocks at the shore. You feel calm and relaxed. As you breathe in the fresh lake air, you breathe out any worries. Breathe in calm, breathe out worry. Wow, you're like the live version of the Calm app. <laughs> Next up, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> That's really great. I love that. And I um, myself, as an adult sitting here, I could feel myself feeling calmer as you walked me through that little visualization. So I'm sure that your students are able to do the same. Yeah, and exactly. I'm hoping that I'm eliciting calm in them and they can recognize like, hey, they might not know like that felt calm, but they might recognize, hey, my body felt relaxed or I liked that. And we can kind of talk about, well, how were you feeling? during that what were you imagining when you were picturing those things my kids my own personal children are also like hey can you read us one of those calm stories before bed (laughs) that's cute if you want to hear more from my interview with victoria from the mindful apple make sure you listen to episode 60 in its entirety she shared so many great tips and strategies that you as a classroom teacher can take into your classroom for developing calm students and she's even got a couple tips for teachers as well All right, that's the end of our journey today here on the Teacher Summer Road Trip on the Classroom Commute Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Next week, we've got a whole new set of curated clips from past episodes from this school year to help refuel your teacher brain and inspire you in this upcoming school year. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I will be back again next week with another episode. Bye for now.